Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In times of isolation, it is important to stay connected. Although the coronavirus prevented me and Ellie to meet up for our recording in person, it didn't stop us from having a well-needed deep conversation. This episode is a bit longer than the previous ones, but as we are experiencing an unusual situation... I believe it is crucial to leave time for long conversations to create a sense of belonging. I have to give you a trigger warning, though. After we have discussed topics like free the nipple and censorship, Ellie shares her experience of domestic abuse and goes into details about both physical and emotional abuse. The aim is to help people who have been, or are currently, in a similar situation. Ella gives you details where to seek help and gives advice on how the surrounding can help if they suspect something. I would also like to take this opportunity to acknowledge everyone who is currently isolated with a violent partner. I think about you. I think about you all the time. With this said, I hope you'll find hope by listening to Ellie's story. She managed to survive seven years of abuse. And for that, she's thanking her mum, who showed her by experience what it's like to be strong-minded. Her mum survived cancer and losing her son, and still managed to give Ellie the support she needed. She's a true hero, and both mother and daughter are true role models to me. My name is Fanny Beckerman, and this is Women of My Generation. Ellie, uh, we were actually planning to meet up a couple of days ago to record this podcast, but uh, since like the current situation actually affects um, how we could socialise with each other, we are going to do this over Skype instead. Because um, you mentioned that you actually isolated now due to the coronavirus. Yeah, at the moment, as I know most people are currently. Mm. But are you all right? Yes, I'm not doing too badly. I have um, high-risk parents. So with both of them being a concern, um, especially seeing what's going on internationally, it's kind of, you know, it's it's best to limit the risk and exposure to myself. As I said, I do, I am not in total quarantine. I'm still going to the shops sort of once or twice a week, just ensuring I'm washing my hands regularly. 
trying yeah. to not touch my face when I'm outside. You know, I, I don't feel like there's this intimate imminent threat that's being portrayed sort of on social media and things like that. I, I don't feel that when I'm walking in the streets, but it's just something I'm aware of, as I say, having high-risk parents, trying to li- balance living normal life, but also limiting my exposure to something that we, at the moment, we don't f- quite fully understand. Yeah, exactly. It's really difficult, like, finding that balance between, like, what to prioritise or, like, your mental well-being or your physical well-being. Because um, I feel like most of us experience that we have to, obviously, prioritise our physical well-being and, like you said, think about others first and forth. Um, I think everyone is really struggling because I, we are we are from a very community I have a lot of very community-based lifestyles you know a lot of people go go out for work or just generally going out is a huge part of their life obviously we have people on a community who are more isolated you know in their normal day-to-day but generally you know we've had to change our day-to-day habits a lot we've all had to kind of completely isolate ourselves from the people that we're usually going to see every day, our friends, our co-workers, our colleagues, our hobbies, our personal interests. We've had mm. a lot of put, well, try to put on pause, but again, it's important to remember that in times like this, we can still do a lot of things that do make us happy. You know, home workouts instead of going to the gym, or we can do this Facebook watch parties and watch films together, or again, do Skype painting Mm. puzzles there are still things that we can do to keep morale up and I do believe this is only a this will hopefully be a short-term problem I do envision us hopefully having a cure for the virus soon hopefully you know in this day and age we can go to the moon you like to think that we can we can fix this you know yeah exactly don't think we're facing Armageddon but we do have to figure out how to balance all these sudden lifestyle changes in such a small amount of time yeah and I think it's important what you said as well like in these uh difficult times it's important to check in with each other and I feel like like on my social media that's something that I experience a lot like people offering to buy groceries for each other if people are isolated which is just really beautiful that people are taking care of each other that is exactly i think it's so important and i don't think that's being highlighted in the media enough at the moment a lot mm. of what you see is scary scary there's no toilet roll there's no face masks there's who are we blaming for this like there's essentially there's no one to blame we are all as one human beings in this community that is you know our day-to-day existence and we have to be looking after the most vulnerable in our society and if you don't know who they are you can get to know who they are i've seen these wonderful bits of um well these pieces of paper who've been left on neighbor's doorstep saying you know hi my name is this you can contact me on this or email me here oh, really there's, um, I know Pickle London have started I've got one on their Instagram feed that she's saying look you can print it off you can offer say do, do you need me to go and get your post do you need me to get groceries do you need me to pick you up some library books but and it's as I say like the first sort of company I've seen doing it more mainstream is Pickle London they've actually put, they put it on their sort of main Instagram feed and oh, that's great just so that obviously there was so much interest in people just wanting to help others but not knowing how or not necessarily knowing all the vulnerable members in their community but not mm. wanting to forget that ex- they exist you know just and it's 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 heartwarming to see and it's despite all the media and the scaremongering and things and the panic 
I don't think that's been translated out on the streets. You know, people are handling it very well and everyone is really coming together and seeing this as a short-term problem, short-term yeah. behaviour change rather than a... And I think it will be positive in the end of the day because, you know, we're seeing nature returning to Italy after they've mm. been in quarantine. They've got, what was it, ducks in the Trevi Fountain and fish back in the rivers in Venice after oh. of of them being in total lockdown. So it's, you know... Not, not by any way doing a Vanessa Hudgens and saying that <laughs> to underestimate this virus in any way. <laughs> After I woke up to that this morning, um, but I, I think being strong enough to get through it, and especially if we can pull together as a community, we're definitely strong enough to get through this. And you know, we have to prioritise other people first, which I don't think is our first port, point of call in this day and age. We're very much a little bit self-centered, a little bit selfish, a little bit Amazon Prime, next day delivery. You know, don't mm-hmm. wait three or four days. I want it now and I want it. And it's kind of had to teach us to step back from that and reset and actually I want this, but I can't have this. This person needs it more. Yeah, that's so true. And I think, like, things are moving moving so fast at the moment so we don't know what's going on in a couple of days and obviously we record this on the 18th of March and we don't know what's going on in a week's time when we actually release this podcast episode uh, but fingers crossed that we'll keep taking care of each other and um, and hopefully get through this sooner than we but think. But also keep in mind as you say that we, that we are taking care of each other I mean I've, I've I just have to, just thinking about it as you say like we're always going to hear bad stuff on the news we're always mm. going to hear really bad stuff but then there are also good things to find like what people in London are doing what the general communities are doing with supporting each other and it's just I think we just need to kind of keep doing our thing which is not taking anything too seriously and again not saying underestimate it but also let's not panic and go insane I mm. think yeah, and I think it's it's important time for us as a generation at this moment. To it is indeed, and it was another like community that brought you and me together uh, last year. Actually, it was uh, the Free the Nipple March. We walked that together, and you seemed very comfortable being topless, and that's what we're going to talk um, initially about now. Um, so. I just wondered, have you always been comfortable being topless? Oh, definitely not. I mean, I, I feel that it's not many women are, only because I feel like a lot, it's kind of, it's stigmatised almost from the age of about four or five and you get brought your first bikini and suddenly, you know, you, you're not, you, you kind of, on a very low level, you notice that you're being treated differently to young boys are if it's a four-year-old boy or a four-year-old girl or an eight-year-old boy and an eight-year-old girl would be able to kind of dress them differently based on their age and that starts very early for women you know puberty starts at 12 13 14 and yet we're changing our types of bikinis at four or five so it's very early it's kind of nipples female nipples are seen as you know it's okay with their babies and da 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 but oh no five or six is way too old to have your nipples out and it's it's essentially in a way by having that mindset i feel like it it's it's it has really encouraged that over sexualization and that over predatorization 
of, of young women, which women then grow into, of feeling like potential victims, or if they do this, they might be opening themselves to being a potential victim if they put their top off or wear a short skirt. You know, it's it's such a deep social issue that yes, you know, I think generally the first thing I can think of is if it starts, you know, when you when you're when you're growing up, you know, before you've hit puberty. I remember being about six or seven and being like, well, why, like, I, why do I suddenly have to wear this annoying, com- uncomfortable sort of lycra swim top? Like, really? Like, I was like, well, I didn't wear it last year. And they're like, well, now you've got to wear it. And at that mm. time, I remember kind of being a bit like, but I, there's no guys in my class wearing it. And like, I see women wearing it, but I haven't got those boobs. Like, you kind of, start to wonder at that age I well I definitely did anyway and I I saw it and you know have I've had to definitely up and down past my body and self-acceptance as I know a lot like most people have you know you're not often born thinking I am fantastic I would not change anything about myself done perfect so it's I know everyone's had their difficulties so for me I guess I've just constantly found bravery and challenging myself mm-hmm see different versions of myself to perceive myself differently so again like my body doesn't stay the same you know I get thin I get fatter as the seasons and the years go by etc etc and I've always just really wanted to kind of record that and progress and live in the moment and not and not apologize for something that I have you know I haven't done anything by by having nipples I haven't essentially done anything that I should be apologizing for so it's again, it's kind of a mental leap to, as I said, to to do the march. So first, it was a bit awkward taking your top off, but because you're suddenly aware that it's this big social thing that you don't really go to a public park and just get your tits out. You know, it's <laughs> slightly frowned upon in normal society, but also it really shouldn't be. And the more we are doing that, and the more we are normalising the female chest, the the less we're kind of taking away all that stigma that has been built up over hundreds of years based on what I believe is kind of the, the exploitation of female sexualization from, you know, from porn, from, you know, originally things like Playboy and wanting to sell magazines, they sell women with their boobs out. But essentially, if you see women with boobs out everywhere, would you still buy a magazine with boobs out? So it's, uh, but uh, and generally we've come from quite conservative culture. I mean, here in England specifically, it was, you know, women getting your boobs out wasn't a really done thing, even 40, 50, 60 years ago, whereas in places like France, Italy and Spain, it still is done today. And it was done, as I say, consistently throughout the last 60 years. So it's, for each of the individuals, we have to kind of change our own mindset and our own perspective towards not only what society expects of us but what we kind of want for ourselves and the freedoms we want to allow ourselves to have over our own bodies that is so true and I know you spent quite a lot of time in Greece did you experience a difference when you lived there I actually did I mean I was again that was a similar sort of time where Instagram had sort of had deleted my account due to violating their community guidelines by mm. by having my nipples occasionally seen, you know, I was on the beach or swimming, nothing was sexualized at all. I am pretty much a, you know, not that it matters, but I'm a 34A cup. So mm-hmm. I'm not the particularly bustiest, you know, woman. 
so I wasn't doing anything overly sexual. It was just on the beach or tanning or whatnot, whatever. But I was removed from Instagram, and that sort of made me really quite bitter about the whole situation because I was I was I, I'd fa- I'd found this beautiful island in Greece. I was in Sakynthos. I was volunteering, cleaning beaches, and trying to help the wildlife, the turtle population there. And I was again like just recording my experience of volunteering to help to, you know clean the beaches and help the animals and things and mm. when I was posting these videos Instagram men came at me and told me I was being hugely inappropriate and I was going to get banned if it continued so obviously I continued and <laughs> um then then they blocked me and obviously I was still in Greece and I, that, I was kind of and I hadn't had a problem from any of the locals about it like it was it was literally just Instagram like everyone who like themselves everyone through Instagram was who I know at home is very supportive. You know, they're, they're really encouraging, which was, you know, incredibly lovely because, again, it's a lot of people that I know closely know sort of of the struggle I've had to accept myself as I am and not try to change condition or form myself to fit into anywhere. So it was it was quite difficult. And But luckily, though, the people in Greece are wonderful. Their culture there is very open, so there is a lot of nudist well, I'd say nudist, then like top half, mm-hmm. topless sunbathing, or you know, topless lounging as it is. Like that's quite that's easily seen as like a is a is a done thing. It's not sexualized at all. You'll see a grandma doing it. You'll see twenty year old doing it. You'll see just families together, and it's it's not it's not sexualized. It's not a problem. You're not seen as a potential victim for having your nipples out. Like. So I felt a lot safer in that environment and sort of, yeah, being at sort of in that environment, that loving environment, and then having this from Instagram was very confusing because Instagram was my platform to sort of express myself and I was doing something good for the community. I felt, I felt, and I wanted to share that. And yeah, that must have been really, really confusing. And did Instagram like give you any details on why it was inappropriate? Well, they gave me, they you know, kind of sent me the, the guidelines and they said specifically that it was violating community guidelines. And I tried to find the specific passage before we came on, but I couldn't find it. I found a, like a small snippet and it says, they, they say that some female nipples are allowed, but generally it's in regards to breastfeeding or um, mastectomies or that kind of thing. It's not, okay. it, so with... A man, if he has a nipple showing through a T-shirt, that would be fine. If it's a woman's nipple through, showing through a T-shirt, if it's mesh, for example, that would not be allowed. So it's, again, sex, sex is allowed to be used to sell in regards of men or regards in a, in a lot of brands with women, sex is allowed to sell. But then if you're, as like, you know, an individual in myself trying to own my own body and own my own freedom, or on the you know sort of another scale, looking at sex workers who are looking to kind to you know, that's to just to be themselves. Hmm. Yeah, it's so so ironic. Like these guidelines and rules are, I'm hoping they're to protect people, but they do the complete opposite. Like you just said, like it's all right to sexualize women in various ways on Instagram, but when you who try to like own your body do it you get banned mm. and did you think twice before you started a new account did did did, did this um closure kind of put you off it de- it definitely kicked me a bit because you know you, you get the 
the violations, you kind of think, all right, fine, I've got to try and be a bit more careful. You know, I've got to try and respect that this is a platform for everyone. And I don't, my intention isn't to go out there and offend people or, mm. you know, or shock or embarrass or humiliate. Again, I'm doing this to sort of discover my sort of my own freedom within my artistic form of myself. You know, I have so, so much body shaming and too fat or too thin, da 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 da. And, Rather than that, I'm just trying to accept myself every day as I am. So that me sort of embracing myself as nude in a way that I'm kind of, yeah, yeah it's, it, it, it's, it was a real kick in the teeth, essentially, mm-hmm. because it was, it, I, I, hadn't, I didn't see it coming. And I did question whether I should go back and do it. I questioned, because, you know, you do get negative comments from Instagram sometimes, like, you're just looking for the attention or like you should really go out more and you have a lot of time, you know, those kinds of things. But at the, at the end of the day, like anyone's opinion wasn't enough to bother me. Cause I know in myself that I actually like myself more now and I accept myself more now. And I have a better image of myself now than I did five years ago. Like, and that's just by looking at my body in different, uh, different seasons and different years and, looking at it with loving eyes and thinking, oh, like, I've grown so much since that, you know, documenting my the journey of my body throughout mm. life rather than trying to change my life to get the goal of this body that, you know, it, it, so it, it felt important for me to kind of to, to continue because, as I say, and that's not, that's not even bringing in the whole overly sexualized the female form is and generally trying to push against that as an entire narrative because that, as it is in itself, is really damaging for not just young women, for all women. Having that kind of female, that, yeah, that we, we can't even own our own bodies. You know, we're seeing it a lot with you know, um, abortion bans worldwide and the fight mm-hmm. against that. Like, women ha- have, are still to this day, despite being 100 years in the Sustia Suffragette movement, we're still trying to fight for the rights to to be just feel free in our own body whether that's reproductive rights whether that's physical rights whether that's me with my flat chest or someone else with a not flat chest wanting to go and lie on a beach and not you know if they've got sensitive skin they might not want to have you know swimwear these are these are all not great examples but generally no they're all great examples and what you said is so so important like both what you do is important both on a political level but also as you mentioned it's part of your own um self-love process i suppose and doing it for yourself and uh, by taking photos you feel more comfortable in your body which is incredible that you found that tool yeah thank you it's, it's i couldn't you know without the support support and love from having a close-knit group of people you know and and learning to who to who to let in who to not let in um you know throughout my life especially having adhd and being quite um intense as i've been as i've, I've been called before um i've I have been kind of used as a show and tell tool before almost. So it's been, again, it's also been trying to balance it for my mental health, trying to make sure that I'm not, that I am spending my time with good people who, you know, have compatible beliefs with me, even if they're not the same, we can at least talk about things, you know, and being around positive energies because it can be, it can be difficult if you're trying to love yourself to spread yourself too thinly and, and by giving time to too many other people. And that's, kind of a big transition for me as I go into my 
I look at turning 30 in the next mm-hmm. year a bit. Mm. That whole that self love, that self acceptance for, and that empathy for myself in my body, in my mental state of mind, in my interactions with others, and it yeah. kind of all comes together. So it, it's not, it's not any just one thing that's kind of got me to that kind of trying to be confident as I am now. It's just by trying to accept all the little broken parts of myself and just mm. love myself anyway and trust that I'm strong enough to find my journey as it were and to you know know as long as I keep aiming to do the right thing helping communities or you know that one can do really yeah exactly and yeah I'm so glad to hear that you found what works for you and you found purpose in different things in life and that kind of helped you to not think about your appearance but also you know think about what matters to you in your life um but the journey for you hasn't been easy. You touched upon it a bit before, but also the reason why you reached out to me and wanted to be on my podcast was because you want to talk about your previous uh, toxic relationship and how it has affected you and your relationship to yourself and your body image. Um, so I was want to give you the opportunity to share this story and hopefully help others. So, yeah, again, thank you so much for the opportunity for, you know, speaking to me today and kind of, again, this is the first time I've tried to talk about my past in my relationship. You know, I've spoken to friends and family and things, but this is the first type of of place where I've come to talk about my experience on being the receiving end of that. And I do want to thank you for taking the time to speak to me. And again, I do feel safe sharing this with you in this space because, you know, having heard your other podcasts and things, and I think if there's anyone to talk to, you're the right person to talk to. So thank you for, for a start. Thank you so much. Have me feel safe enough to discuss this with you, but it has been an incredible ride from the age of, well, as young as I remember, I had quite low, low self-esteem and low self-image. Uh, I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 12. But before that, from about the, the earliest I can remember, about five, I was always viewed as a social outcast or the naughty child or the kid that just did weird stuff that no one could, could quite understand or explain why. So I always was felt quite isolated and I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. So I had really low vision of myself and low self-esteem and I, I I struggled to to find my place in the world or fit in or communicate to other people or make myself understood or found myself doing a lot I thought I was doing a lot of things wrong all the time basically I had no self-empathy and that uh, that I think generally came from how my ADHD wasn't diagnosed until I was 12 so the whole experience through primary school was was tough again nope not really anyone knew about ADHD never mind how to support alternative learning styles you know regardless of disabilities or abilities yeah so that was both like adults and children yeah so when I was when I was 12 I was when I was diagnosed they told me specifically you're going to grow out of this women Mm. that usually don't get it it's mainly boys but you will grow out of it around puberty and obviously that was all wrong I was from the age of 12 on the promise that it would make me fit in that whatever I was doing that made them tell me 
oh, you're showing signs of ADHD. I, I didn't know what behaviors I was demonstrating that led them to that diagnosis. But, you know, they gave me this tablet and told me it would work out. Again, being 12, I took those and did everything I could, followed all the advice to try to improve. But it didn't. I was always very low on that self-image, you know. Those, the medication never helped as much as they said it would do. I thought it would be some magic cure, and it just wasn't. So I was constantly looking for fulfillment, and I was looking for self-love. I was looking for a way to love myself because I, I just couldn't love myself the way I saw myself. And that, like, and that sort of series of events led me to when I was 17, I met a guy um, I kind of had briefly known from during my secondary school time, but I met him and we ended up being together for seven years. So I was 17 up until about 23, that's six and a bit years. That's and a long time, especially in that age. It, it's, it's really strange looking back on it now, thinking it was almost 10 years of my life, but it was such a it was such a life-changing space of time. You know, a lot of people go 17 to 23, that's their sort of their uni years or their their their, their dating years or their traveling years, you know, or their family yeah. years. You know, that's a lot of that's that's a it's a good space of time where you're sort of that sort of crux between your childhood and your adulthood, you know, and I kind of I looking for that that self-esteem, looking for that love and that acceptance. So the head over heels for this guy. I mean Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It didn't, uh, we got engaged, but I also did get engaged briefly at the age of 15 to my first boyfriend, who I dated for a year. Again, this okay. all based just on having a really low self-value. And a, a, a lot of people have it. A lot, again, a lot of girls grow up and they don't know. It, they either question their body or they question how they act or how they interact. You know, it's, it's totally normal. But for me, I just found myself, it, perhaps it was bad luck, but this, this guy who seemed absolutely fine, he seemed lovely, seemed charming, seemed nice. You know, we started dating and we ended up together for seven years. But the abuse did start pretty much within the first six months. You know, he was I was staying at him at his parents' house pretty much all the time. He, you know, it, it started with like really small things that I barely noticed, like the, the gaslighting, as it were, where he would, you know, he'd ring me when I, when I, I, I used to have a motorbike, I'd drive to work. He'd ring me 10 minutes after I left his house when I got to work just to check I got to work safe and I thought oh that's really sweet he's 
checking to make sure I got to work safe. And then he would keep me on the phone until I walked from my bike to the door of work. And then he'd ring me on my lunch break or on my 15-minute break. And, you know, he'd always, always ring me. And I thought it was really sweet and attentive. And I thought I just felt so wonderful that he was giving me all this attention. And I kind of couldn't believe it. I didn't feel worthy of this attention. I, I, I you know, I couldn't believe my style, to be honest. Mm. But I, I, never, I didn't see it as, as negative, you know. It wasn't until sort of you know, looking back after the relationship had ended that I realised how bad it had gotten because say it went from subtle things, you know, from the gaslighting to oh I I don't I don't I think they said something you know one of your friends was acted a bit weird with me this evening you know let's let's cancel that thing we were going to do with them next weekend and keeps cancelling cancelling that's one friend gone you know oh uh, so you weren't being really allowed to see your friends. It, it, it starts, but it starts so slowly. It starts in a way that you you almost don't even notice it. Like they start to, well, in my situation, he started to take me away from my friends. He started to take me away from my family. It was, but in in a way where it was my choice to go, it was very much. Oh, it's gotten very late now. Like, oh, let's watch one more film. Oh, it's gotten a bit late. You sure you do? You don't want to stay the night? It's a bit late for you to be driving home. And I, oh, I've already stayed two days. Oh, but okay, I'll stay again. And it's. But it was it. It's part of that was for me not having enough strength in myself to recognise that I was doing something unhealthy. That it wasn't healthy for me to be this codependent in a relationship. It wasn't healthy of me to just be spending five, six nights a week at his house rather than with my family. It wasn't healthy for me to be getting stressed out trying to get ready for work because he didn't want to get off the phone to let me get ready. So I had to try and balance getting ready and talking to him. This, you know, I, I try to find a way to fit it in. And I always came back to myself not being good enough. I said, well, you know, if I was better, I'd be able to handle it better. You know, if he's asking these things of me, it's because, you know, it, it can be done, you know. And it escalated from arguments to... To physical rows, you know, just just pushing and shoving. But if I showed any kind of resistance, or if I stood still, or pushed back, or tried to walk past him, it would instantly escalate into a sharp push into the wall. Or, you know, I, obviously, I just a uh, a bit late, but just to mention, obviously, this is a trigger warning for anyone who else who has been through an abusive environment. I I sort of know for myself like how difficult it can be sometimes to if you're having a bad day or having a day where you've had lots of dreams or nightmares and relive the situation it can be difficult to hear Again. yeah I'll, I'll make sure to put a content warning and trigger warning um in the introduction of this episode as well to make sure that everyone's safe i just remember because it, it, it's and what i hate most i resent myself so much for not being strong enough for not I mean again my family were worried my friends were worried people told me this isn't normal and I said I defended him constantly I was you know he oh it was my fault Hmm. or I'm or no 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 you don't understand the full story he was totally I would constantly make excuses for him to normalize his behavior I guess, but again, I guess that comes from the fact I just had such low self-esteem on some level. I thought that I might have been like, I I thought I might have been deserving of the abuse of the way he spoke to me. I saw myself so low that the way he was speaking to me 
matched how I saw myself in a way. And being so vulnerable at 17 and, and looking so much in a human being, you know, it was, I, uh, I, the, the abuse got, got really bad. So obviously the police were called several times. The issue is they always ask you, do you want to press charges? And you sit and you shrug and mm-hmm. they, they, they tell you very straight up. They say, look, if you, if you're not going to press charges, there is nothing we can do. We can take him away for a few hours. We can hold him. Once he's processed, he'll be released. And, and thinking back to yourself at the age of 18, do you remember why you decided not to press charges? I, get, I, I convinced myself that I loved him and I convinced myself that he loved me. And yeah, that, that I'd, you know, that I, it, whatever fight, whatever had started off that time that I was in the wrong, that uh, if I hadn't been in the mood to answer his call, you know, as I was walking after work from my work to my motorbike and I would, I'll just speak to him when I get home. Mm-hmm. That, that could be the start of a huge argument. And even though I felt justified, like, look, I'm literally on my way home. I'll talk to you later. He would make me feel like I had done something wrong. So I thought, well, no, I should have rung him. I could have rung him. It would have been very easy to wrong him, ring him. It's my fault. I chose not to ring him. So, of course, he's going to get angry. I, I blamed myself for it. I didn't take sort of advice or warnings from friends. I thought I could manage it. I didn't really want to admit how bad it had gotten. Mm. I think everything you say is so important that you raise awareness of how it started gradually and that you didn't want to press charges because you blamed yourself or you were scared of him because I think that's so, so common um, that people from the outside looking in asking, oh, why didn't you just leave or why didn't you press charge? And obviously I kind of ask the same question now, but I'm not judging you at all or anyone who doesn't press charges or leave because it's so so difficult and especially like when you're in that age and you've been together for so long it's really difficult to leave exactly and you you kind of it it, it gets to a point where well, i said i was i was staying with him and his family a lot i think after about three years we and three four years we moved in together we were on the council house list for a year because we registered that I was living with his family mm. on their advice. Um, so they sorted everything. They did all the paperwork for us. They, after about two years, we were able to get a small little bed sit in a nearby village. And everything got... And I, I, I thought this was going to be a new opportunity for us. I thought, we've got we've got our own place. We're no longer sharing with his parents. I, you know, we're not... I'm not filling his room full of my things anymore, you know, because... You know, you stay over, you just have a drawer and then the drawer becomes a drawer and a bit of the wardrobe and then it becomes, you know, you end up just cohabiting. And it just, I thought I thought it would be so much better that we'd have a space that we could just relax. And it really just made everything so much worse. I was, you know, I was, lo- I was locked in the house for long periods of time, sometimes locked in the bathroom. Like if I had an argument and if I'd, you know, if I if I ever retaliated, it, yeah, if it's a push or a, a push past him, or sometimes I did lose my temper and I just lashed out at him mm-hmm. in response to a verbal attack. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that he was always the first person to go phys- physical. He was always the first person to go verbal, but mm-hmm. you you react strangely after that. Like you get so 
acclimatized to shouting, to loud noises. He would he would punch holes in the door, in the wall. Like people, friends and family would come over, and there would be holes in every door, in every room, at like anywhere you could, anywhere that he could have. There was a hole again. There was a lot of you know, being a council house. It was quite thin walls, but. And I, I just, I got so acclimatized to it. This was normal for me. When people came over, I'd be like, oh, that's just, he lost his temper a bit. And I've been around friends' houses in the last few years and seen the same holes and walls. And I've asked them and they've said the same thing. And it's, it was haunting, honestly, to be like, I've stood there where you are now and you realize you have nothing else to say. You, you, how do you explain the fact that your partner has... And so unable to control how he feels, his, his emotion level, and been so unable to communicate that his chosen method is to punch you or punch the house where he lives in, where you both work to pay the bills to build this home that you've created together because you're in love with this person and you've, and you've built this sanctuary with them and all they can do is lash out at you, lash out at it. And all you ever wanted them to do was to communicate. And you, you don't understand what you're doing wrong to make them not communicate with you, if that makes sense. Like that, I was so much in that idea. I was like, well, what, what am I doing wrong? And I kept trying to say things in a different way. Or I kept trying to like learn his triggers. Or like if, if there's any particular word that I said that made him go off. If there was the same way he would learn my triggers. He learned that. You know, I, I, I couldn't stand to be called a liar. Like, as I said, if, if he phoned me sometimes on my lunch break and said, I don't think you're at work, I would be straight on video call. Like, you tell me where to go. I'll show you onto the table. I'll show you the news. I'll show you, I'll give you a walking tour of my work to prove to you, you can trust me. I was so determined to earn his trust. And I didn't even realize he, his trust wasn't worth earning. I just wanted someone to accept me. I wanted someone to say, I see you. I love you. You know, I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to support you. I see that you want to do good things, you know, and I was so desperate to be seen. I didn't, yeah, I didn't even think that he just wasn't, he wasn't, the, he wasn't the right kind of person to see me. You know, he was just someone that I had found that I had yeah. latched myself onto in a really unhealthy way. And, and when you say that you loved him, do you think that you actually lo loved him as a person or more about what you said now, that having someone who claimed that they loved you? I, I definitely think that that's it. I mean, it's it's difficult because there are still, like, times, you know, I, I do look back at the photos. Seven years is an incredibly long time. And, you know, I have a lot of ne negative experiences and nightmares from those years. But... You know, there were, there, were, there, were, there were still occasions where he was a nice human being and we had good days. And I don't I don't think I was in love with him, no. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I, I wanted to be in love and loved by someone. So I only, I only allowed myself to see the positive things. And anything negative I saw, I made excuses for. So what I thought I saw, I loved. So I still had the heartbreak when I tore myself away, even though I realised who I loved in my mind wasn't that same person I was looking at physically. Like mm -hmm. it, was, it was two completely different things. I had just almost brainwashed myself to only see certain things or, or recognize things in a different way. Yeah. And how open were you about your relationship to other people? Did that, did anyone know how severe it was? Um, 
not really. Again, having, I didn't have many friends, but I had a couple. So I wouldn't really ever tell anyone the full story. And there was one time at work, actually, which really stands out in my memory. I was sitting with one of our assistant managers in the office. I was, I think I was about half an hour or something late for work. I turned up and I had bruises and scratches everywhere. And it had been because my other half of the time had actually dragged me up a set of concrete steps after having an argument in the in the alcove and proceeded to kind of attack me in the flat. And I, I got to work and I was I was like, oh, I, I fell down the stairs. And they looked and he said he brought me into the office and he'd been my friend for about three, four years at that point. And he just sat me down. He said, like, really, like, stop lying to me. Like, I know what I know what's going on. I know things aren't right like these aren't normal injuries like I had a like lot of like scratches from sort of between my shoulder blades up the back of my neck and I've been wearing a low-cut vest top at the time and I just and he was like these aren't normal these aren't normal injuries like these aren't just bumps and bruises and scratches there's like long drag marks like what's what the hell is going on and I told him and he that was, was incredibly supportive and said that was probably about six six years in and I just I, I I guess I kind of started to question it more and started to think you know what I really tried like I put 110% in I've tried changing what I say how I say it I've tried communicating more communicating better communicating differently using different words you know I've tried so many different things and I realized that nothing had changed and it yeah, it's kind of like we've been together six years now. Like nothing has changed. It's 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 the same, if not worse. So, if anyone who listens to this um, suspect that one of their friends or anyone in their surrounding is a victim of domestic abuse, would you say that it's a good idea to ask them straight out if that's the case? I. W- I I would say yeah I, I would say it's, it's important that they they should approach that person in a in a kind empathetic way in a safe space where they know you know the boyfriend isn't in the next room for example or there aren't parents nearby there isn't an, another factor that that person has to consider when they're trying to tell you, trying to decide whether they how open and how honest they can be with you you know it's just, you kind of get you get used to self constricting and just sucking yourself in essentially because the more you give out in abusive relationships the more you get hurt so I say it's very important that they kind of try to approach them yeah, in a safe space in a way they can and say that you know you're not alone you do deserve and are worthy of happiness and you are strong enough to build it for yourself and just like and then encourage them to seek support so there's you know so for women there's the women's aid which you can do but you can contact them via email or by phone there's the men's life advice again. They can come up by email or by phone. There's the Gallup, which is LD, LGBTQ plus group, and then you've got Karma Nirvana um, as well for anyone who might be in a, in a forced marriage or rape situation as well. So there are there is support out there. And even if you if you, if you're not sure if any of this has resonated with you that you think you might be starting conversations in a negative way or you might be being abusive to friends family members or loved ones there is the respect helpline that you can go to to get to get advice and to kind of get support and kind of help understand 
your impact on other people and whether you are crossing that boundary and you are crossing that line into what could be you know potential abuse to other people because it's you know everyone has arguments everyone loses their temper everyone can struggle to handle emotions but it's it's really you have to be really careful about how you how you say what you want to say to people that you love Um, how did that relationship end your ex-boyfriend so for me it was this is where it comes slightly difficult to talk about as i said earlier trying to give advice to people to get out so for myself the reason i was able to leave my abusive relationship is that after about six years you know abuse escalated quite heavily the police were getting more involved my work colleagues were beginning to notice and then my um youngest brother was killed suddenly in a very traffic accident mm-hmm. which sort of which again changed my whole family dynamic i it made me realize that i'd actually wasted the or you know not essentially wasted the last seven years of my brother's life on this human being who i'd given everything to heart soul mind body everything to this person only to receive nothing but physical and mental abuse and yet my little brother who always wanted to spend time with me i'd always put him on the back burner because essentially i i I was yearning for love and acceptance from the wrong place from completely the wrong place i'd i ignored my family i didn't prioritize them at all and once you know my little brother was dead I realized I can't take that back. There's nothing more I can do. And I fell into a deep depression for a year, but it's, it still took me a full year after losing my brother to actually be in a position mentally where I could start planning my escape and actually start planning a way out. And actually, as I said, it took me that year. Again, still, the abuse stopped for about a month after my brother died. And then it started right back up worse than before. This time, my brother was being used in taunts against me from my abusive ex. Oh, God. It pushed me, the anger and the hate and the frustration and the resentfulness really pushed me to think, do you know what? I've I've been in this for seven years. I've survived pretty, pretty much all types of physical and verbal abuse, you know, from, from rape to, to burns to all, all, essentially all types of scars, physically and mentally. I've survived all of that. And I thought, and I have to survive the next 75 years without my brother. I was at my, essentially my very lowest point. And I thought, if I can survive this and I'm still standing here today, I can get through anything. So I kind of lost my fear of being alone. I lost my fear of not having anyone to love me or not having anyone to talk to. I I kind of, things couldn't get any worse. So that was literally, it was only by getting to that very rock bottom point where I actually realized my own strength in just getting to that point that I thought, I'm going to try doing this. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But um, I just took it one day at a time. I, again, I spoke to friends. I spoke to helplines. The Samaritans were incredible, just for helping me kind of slow my slow my thoughts down and try to process things one at a time. And just by having someone to talk to at any time of the day or night, just to feel like I wasn't so alone, that I wasn't doing this alone. Because even if you are doing it alone, it can feel like you're doing it alone. 
but you can still give a call to Samaritans and have a chat to, to them for five minutes, 10 minutes, once or twice a week, you know, that you, you can, you can share your experiences with someone. People really don't mind you reaching out to them. It's absolutely fine. People like helping each other. You know, as you said earlier about the coronavirus, like people actually do like a reason to come together to support each other, support the community to kind of, to show that communal love and the support and empathy and it's and reaching out can be the scariest thing that okay can feel like the scariest thing that you ever have to do but it, it i bet you anything it probably will not be worse than any of the abuse you've lived through no you've you've come so far and you've dealt with so much but you don't have to keep dealing with it you don't have to keep going on you can choose to love someone else you can grow to love someone else you can learn to let go you are strong enough and you are worth it yeah definitely god it makes me so sad to hear everything that you've been been through and again like go back a bit when you said that you blamed yourself for not spending enough time with your brother so that just constant beating yourself up at first about like everything that happened to you in your relationship and then on top of that blaming yourself for what you know not spending enough time with your brother that must have been a horrible state of mind for you I do think there's a lot of thing a lot of abuse victims go through because being a victim of abuse means you often miss out on big family events. You miss out on birthdays. You miss out on holidays. You miss out potentially Christmases. You miss out on Friday night drinks with the work lot. You miss out on a lot of things when you're in an abusive relationship. I had to go home straight after my shift finished at work. He knew exactly when I finished. I would talk to him. When I left the doors of the building up until I got to my motorbike, he knew exactly how long the drive was. If I if the drive took me five minutes longer, I would be questioned profusely about it. Like I wasn't, I, I didn't, I'd missed out on so many parts of my life and so many parts of my social development because I felt like I had no other choice than to follow his rules. Mm. And that's, it can be very easy to fall into. But, and again, if you, if you, I, if I wanted to, you know, I, which I have done, you know, you sit there and it's natural to sit there and tear yourself apart and wonder why I could have done that so much better. Or why didn't I notice? Or if you if your best friend came to you and said it damn right, you'd notice it for them, but you may not notice it for yourself. And that is normal because, and that shows that you are just a lovely, empathetic human being. And it's not a bad quality, you know, to be empathetic towards people, but you have to be empathetic to yourself first and really think and recognize like, is this how healthy is this situation to me and if this person really loves me they won't mind if i take a few days space or weeks space or if i move out you know whatever's whatever is right for you to do for you to make sure that you're happy on the path that you're on all couples have arguments all couples have rows but it is never okay to get physical whether it's a, fem- a female to a female a female to a male a male to a female or a male to a male it's never okay to get to lose communication and to get physical Um, that is so true and I stand it's just like I've been pretty quiet this episode but I've just been listening and taking it all in and I think it's absolutely incredible that you are the person that you are today like knowing you now you're so vibrant and you're always out and about and meeting loads of new people and it feels like you're making the most of the freedom you have now and I think 
it's just really beautiful that you've managed to survive all of this and turned into this incredible person and now like speaking up and telling your story I know that it will help so many people who listen to this episode because just confirming that their feelings are valid and they are not alone in this and also now when you mentioned how how much better you feel nowadays and that you're working on your self-esteem and knowing your own worth. It really taught me I had to just stop reaching out for acceptance from other people so much and I say work on this whole self-acceptance issue. And if I can get to a point where I can accept myself fully, then I hope, you know, I, I won't be as susceptible to being needy or codependent in relationships in the future Mm. Because, you know, everyone's a little bit self-dependent, but oh, sorry, codependent. But if you have two codepe- two people who are codependent, that can be really unhealthy, long term. You can just get so comfortable and adjusted, and it's it's really important for me to now. I ha- now I'm starting to find my own independence and my own personality in in being a singular independent person. Yeah. It's really important to me to fight for that and to you know, to be able to envision it, to be able to say, this is me, this is who I am. I fought for my right to be here. I fought for who I am. I fought to stand here today and I'm not going to be diluted or let myself be affected by anyone else's influence or approval or acceptance. I'm just going to do me. And so it's, you know, I'd, I'd love to say I'm older and wiser, but as I say, I'm, I'm turning 30 next year. So it's, and I'm, I'm still learning day by day. Everyone still is, you know. I've mm. dated a couple of men, a couple of women sporadically. But I've actually just, I can't, yes, as I say, I've, I've realized I, I need to film myself before I look for other people. And, and some of that's been, you know, Florence Givens' influence. Mm. If you follow her, she did her whole dumping movement the same time as I was literally out of this relationship. So that January, February, 2019 is when I was single, found myself living alone. I quit my job. I moved out of my ex. I was suddenly alone, <laughs> poor as hell and single after being in a relationship for two years and have seen Flo's sort of dump him guide really made me realize that I was a person worth fighting for. And I was a person worth loving and so I've spent a year just doing that, literally just not dating, not on Tinder, not on Hinge, not giving my time to anyone mm. else, just fulfilling myself until I can get to a point where I know, you know, I'm, I'm in a place where I can find a healthy, happy relationship and a happy, stable partner. Yeah, it definitely seems like it's been working really well for you because just listening to you so wise and well spoken about everything you've been through and I'm really hoping that for if it's just being on your own or in a relationship that you will continue to find happiness in the future as well um well, thank you very much that means the world say especially with the ADHD and you know, a lot of trauma and self-esteem issues you know coming from my experiences it's it it's terrifying to speak about you know these kinds of things but so literally I, I i'm so grateful that you provided this platform to speak about these important issues with and you provided that safe space for people to come and you know to, to openly discuss things and talk about them and sh- there is another way there is help out there you're not alone you know 
everyone goes through things and people you can, people there are other people like you whatever it you're facing out there exactly we need that sense of belonging and connection and maybe especially now with the self-isolation that we we have time to kind of think about our past but also understanding that there are loads of people out there who who um, are happy to sit down and talk about how we feel and what we want to change in the future exactly but th- again thank you ever so much like it's you know i i'm, I'm very grateful for my experiences that i've had because again it has it's maybe more empathetic more patient kinder to myself and i appreciate the lessons it has taught me i mean I, wiser i'd say <laughs> maybe a bit loose a bit loose Describe particularly wise, you're making the same mistake repeatedly. <laughs> but they, they call that madness. But <laughs> again, it's, it's, it's not about aiming for perfection. It's just trying to be the best version of yourself in in each moment, and then not beating yourself up for it if you're not what you want yourself to be. Because you can get there, and like everyone has a bad day, or everyone feels crap, or feels like they're not doing enough on the they're not good enough or whatever it is but those thoughts can be so negative and really poisoning and they can lead to seeking attention from the wrong type of people or or see believe you believe will make you believe that you should stay in a job that's unfulfilling just because you need a job you know it's these things are really damaging for creativity and self-esteem and it's it's, it's, it's really important to be challenging those and then like not talking to ourselves in a negative way not putting out with people talking negatively to us or you know mm. detrimentally and just treating each other with kindness and respect and love at the end of the day yeah i think that's a perfect way to end this episode so thank you so much again ellie for sharing your story so generously um and i hope you feel all right no, thank you so much, Fanny. I really appreciate getting the opportunity to be here. And thank you ever so, so much for um, this Women of My Generation platform that you've been doing. Um, very great, great, great as a listener and as a participant. So thank you so much. Aww, thank you. <laughs> Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.